0: This is the Australian Hunting Podcast, hunting, shooting and fishing radio on the AHP Digital Radio Network. Visit us at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Here's the host of the show, Jason Selms. Welcome back to AHP. Thank you for joining me. I do appreciate it for another episode of the Australian Hunting Podcast. Another episode of the Everyday Hunter series with Rob Trap coming up very soon. I want to say thank you for all the people again, like I always do that support me on Patreon. Uh, you know, you guys put your money where your mouth is, you support me on the show. And sometimes that really does blow my mind some seven years after starting this podcast because. You know, you guys actually see benefit in what we do, and you're willing to pay a little bit of money out of, your, out of your hard-earned money to support this show. And I really do want to say thank you very much. You guys know who you are that support me on Patreon. It uh, means a lot to me. It means I'm able to upgrade equipment uh, and do things I wouldn't normally be able to do. If people are sitting there wondering what Patreon is, I guess it's a, I guess it's a financial support of AHP. So if you go to patreon.com forward slash AHP, you can pay a little as a dollar to get all the episodes in advance Uh, of other listeners and uh, ask questions I often put things out there I often let people know what's coming up I get suggestions from people and uh, just general support from people on Patreon is just really really appreciated guys so I want to say thank you thank you very much and I've actually put out on the Facebook page several times about what people enjoy what episodes people actually like uh, of the AHP catalogue of course people really enjoy straight shooting that's probably one of the most popular shows that I do and I was quite surprised that come up a lot was the Everyday Hunter series and I guess. I thought it was a good idea when I developed the segment, but I was actually quite unsure if it was actually going to rate with people because obviously people that come on the show are just like me, just everyday hunters. They're not celebrities. uh, They're not people well-known in the industry, but a lot of people actually learn a lot and have emailed me, and so they've really learned a lot from people that are on the Everyday Hunter series, getting ideas, tips, tricks that they actually bring and things that they enjoy and hearing from people that are just like them. So the Everyday Hunter series, of course, will stay as part of the AHP uh, catalog now and into the future so thanks to all the people that not voted but i guess let me know that they really enjoyed the everyday hunter series because i wasn't sure how well it rated of course the numbers on the back end say that it's rates quite well but when you actually look at it, i thought people might have been more interested in you know, the, you know celebrity people politicians uh people from overseas and people that come onto the show but the everyday hunter rated quite highly so i was actually really really surprised about that so today's everyday hunter is rob tratt rob tratt welcome to HP, mate thanks for joining me i do appreciate your time to participate in the everyday hunter series thank you
1: thanks very much jason pleasure to be here
0: no worries mate i guess tell us about yourself who is rob tratt what does he do what does he like to do and uh give us a bit of background
1: uh rob tratt is uh i guess a hunter from way back um i'm 37 years old this year and um i've been into firearms pretty much my whole life um got into it because of my father and whatnot uh currently though i am a committee member of shooters Fishers, farmers party I also run a blog called HuntShootOffRoad.com, and I've got a YouTube channel, Bling Bling Bob. Uh, those two things, I guess, go hand in hand, and it's sort of dedicated to the, the DIY hunter, um, a little bit of 4 driving, a little bit of hunting stuff, and, um, and all that sort of good stuff like that. So um, I guess I've been listening to you for probably uh, two to three years now. Um, you got me motivated in politics, and uh, it's really got me stirred up, and you know, I've done heaps of stuff since then. I went and gave a handout with uh, One Nation um, in the last elections in Queensland. I've written probably, I don't know, 50 letters to ministers and all that sort of stuff like that. So just been uh, super active, super diligent. And, you know, I'm I'm also one of the admins on the um, Adler page. And, yeah, it's just been a really good time. And, uh, yeah, it's just uh, exciting to be, be involved in the scene and, and see some of the changes that have been, Coming along, and you know these new developments of new firearms—it's uh, it's really exciting.
0: Tell us about that. That's very interesting, and I have heard a lot of people do that, especially uh, in states. I guess in Queensland that don't have an upper house. So you said you were part of Shooters, Fishers, and Farmers, but then you were handing out how to vote cards for one nation. How, how does that work? Are you multiple parties? What do you like to do? Tell us about that.
1: Well, because Shooters, Fishers, Farmers party um, wasn't registered at the time, um, and we're still going through the rigmarole of getting registered as a. Um, a party in Queensland, so there's obviously some difficulties with that. They seem to be making it harder and harder every time we, we lodge our application. They're not happy with this and they're not happy with that. and um, They don't tell us about things until after the fact. Like They haven't, haven't once given us, this is what you need to do, start to finish. It seems to be we lodge and they're like, oh, we're not happy with that. But they had that for six months, so I don't know why it's an issue. So I guess, you know, we can only work with what we've got. Well, at the time, um, One Nation was my local party that was the most pro-firearm of of the bunch that was available. I'd been contacted by Shooters Union, which I'm a life member of Shooters Union, um, and they asked if I could help out with those guys, and I was more than happy to do that, considering that they were the most um, uh, pro-firearm party uh, for my electorate. So I went down there and helped those guys out for the day. And um, I guess, you know, uh, as a committee member of Shooters Fishers Farmers Party, look, at the end of the day, you know, we we want as many pro-firearm parties as possible on the, on the ballot, I guess. And um, look, we're not out to compete with the likes of KAP and whatnot because at the end of the day, they've got the same sort of cause. Yeah, they've got some different policies and that, but we're not going to go in and hammer hard and try and steal positions from their electorates that they already own. We're after, I guess, taking electorates from, you know, from LNP and Labor and the Greens and to make sure that we get our foot in those other strongholds. So that we could work together with the other um, pro firearm parties, because at the end of the day, as a collective, we can have much better changes.
0: Exactly, man. If only we had, uh, you know, another hundred thousand or three hundred thousand Rob Trats getting out there and getting involved, wouldn't that be fantastic?
1: Well, that would be the ultimate um, goal. But you know, we can only work with what we got, so we put our best foot forward and try and attract our other like-minded people to get involved, at least at some even at a low end level. You, you know, that's the, the least we can ask for rather than sit back and do nothing with the she'll be right attitude that seems to be rife in the Australian communities, particularly in the, uh, in the shooting scene. So
0: Mm. does that happen a lot? Do you think up there in Queensland, do you think it's worse than anywhere else around Australia or pretty similar?
1: Um, well, you know, it's, it's funny. Like I, I, I do watch like the Aussie bush harvest and I watch, um, what's the, uh, bolt action productions and, you know, I think the shooting scene is completely different in Victoria as it is in New South Wales, but Queensland is a, is a completely different um, shooting scene, at least in the hunting. You know, a lot of our hunting up here is, is all about destruction. It's vermin control, um, whereas you go to New South Wales, not so much, but um, Victoria is all about, you know, a lot of hunting and gathering. You know, you've got your, your duck hunting, which obviously is completely illegal up here, but, you know, people go out there and, and grab a couple of ducks for – put on the table and people go out deer hunting and you know everything that i've ever shot's just gone to waste it's just gone to the ground so you know it's a it is a completely different attitude and so i guess there's a different motivation to get in there and give people a hand so um you know we don't have these state forests we can go and hunt and, and do these types of activities everything we do up here is private so i guess a lot of the time most of the people that have access up here have it for free And as such, then I guess the rest of the community thinks that it's their right to go and shoot for free because everyone else in Queensland shoots for free. And, you know, and then we also got the issues where our state land is not the same as the state land in the rest of the country. I think something like nearly 96% of our state land is like um, leased by some means, which means there's restrictions on who can go on it and all that sort of stuff like that. So we've got our own difficulties up here. But like I said, I think that that's filtered down into the shooting community where it's a very relaxed way of shooting, like just literally just getting out in your know, four drives, spotlight and thrash and everything you can find, and then head home. So it's not like this whole thing where the you know in Victoria, my, in my mind, what happens is you know people pack a hiking bag, they hike in for a day, and then they go for a shoot, and they come back to their little tent and they sit in there and you know talk about what they're going to do tomorrow, and then they go out and venture out and you know do some stalking or waiting on a track and all this. And that's like that's not how it happens up here at least not in the, my circle of friends that I go shooting with. So,
0: mm. And rangers, I've been up there several times. you got really, really good rangers up there. Uh, cheap rangers to shoot at too. I'm not sure in the last couple of years what, what they're charging. But, <laughs> excuse me, when I, when I went there, it was uh, very competitive. I thought it was fantastic. I think I went out at the one that might have been over at Ipswich. I think it was about... Ripley. Ripley, was it? Oh, yeah, I think which, it was which about... Which you
1: keep calling Ripleys.
0: Oh, Ripleys. Is it my bad. Well, I've just been corrected. Nice. Um, <laughs> no, that's all right. At the time, it might have been five bucks to shoot there. I think it was a couple of years. Ten bucks, I think. Even that's still good.
1: It's pretty good, man. I mean, even if you were to go to Belmont, which is in town, I think it's like over 20 bucks. And you have to be a double SAA member for that price, too. It's double that if you're not.
0: Tell us about, mate, when you were growing up, was your family into hunting or?
1: Yeah, so I I guess that's what got me into hunting. Um, My dad was probably shooting from when I was like two or four years old. Uh, Him and a couple of his mates from from the power station, Um, I don't know, got hold of a couple of rifles. And anyway, one of them got in contact with a farmer out at Gundawindi and um, they did a deal where they rewired his his whole house out there and they got to hunt on his property. And um, they just went out there all the time hunting pigs, Um, really good property, Um, had the Gwaita River go through it. So there was like tonnes of pigs there all the time because it was a wheat farm. So there's always plenty of food, plenty of water. And I guess as a kid growing up, spent every one of our holidays out there, like, you know, Christmas and Easter and all that sort of stuff like that. And I just, you know, loved it. Um, never really got to fire the guns or anything, but I was always promised that when I turned 14, that I could go and hunt with him out when they went, did their stalks and stuff like that. But all we got to do as kids really was go around spotlighting at night. And of course, you'd fall asleep on the, in the car and all that sort of stuff going out till you know, middle, middle of the night. And, um, what happened, though, when I was probably about 12 or 13, there was a mad big falling out between the wives of my parents, and um, and that sort of broke up the party. So before I turned 14, pretty much the shooting had stopped, and so as a result, my dad got heavily involved in fishing. So we were doing a lot of tag and release and just lure fishing all the time. We'd go to Somerset Dam, and and um, we used to go up Split Yard Creek, which was illegal, but we'd go and you know hide in the trees and do that sort of stuff like that until they really started policing it and started finding people so we stopped doing that but i guess (laughs) we sort of we sort of did that and we'd go to fraser island every every break after that we'd go you know it was just all about the fishing and as soon as i left school and i wasn't at home i stopped fishing i wasn't really into it and um i guess this guy at work started started with us and he was from new zealand and um so this was probably uh, 98, 99. Um, so this is after 96, which my dad had actually been to the, you know, he was there for all that 96 and he went protesting and all that sort of stuff like that, which I only found out recently, actually, when I started talking to him about firearm laws. I never knew he was sort of involved in that. But anyway, um, this Kiwi came to work, started working with us, and um, he, he just come to work one day and he had a shooting magazine on his desk. And I was like, oh, are you into shooting? He's like, oh, man, I love it. He goes back home, we got pump actions and semi automatics and we go and shoot possums and we do all this stuff like that. And he really got me sort of excited about it. <clears throat> so I I hit my dad up. I said, Dad, I want you to take me out shooting again. He goes, oh, All right. So he contacted the, the property owner out at Gunner Windy. He took me out and we got some. I had a bolt action thirty oh six and you know, we walked around. I, I think I got two pigs for the whole weekend and and all that. And then I just had a fantastic time and that was it. Went and got my got my license off my own back straight away, bought a Browning BPR, which is a pump rifle in a 308 after having massive discussions with the Kiwi at work about what caliber to get. <laughs> and, um, and that was it, man. I, I was hooked after that. And, um, when it got my dad to take me out again, after I got my pump action and I, I got uh, five good sized pigs, but three of them were shot in the river. So they sunk to the bottom. So I couldn't get photos of them. And, um, and I think I went out one more time. Anyway, then some, uh, a group of my mates from Dubbo, anyway, they found out that I was started shooting and they, like, invited me out for a trip out to Walgit. And I just went out with the boys out there. And it was just, I mean, the difference between shooting with my dad and shooting with a bunch of young fellas the same age, it was just so exciting. It was so good. Just all larrikins going out doing the same thing. And um, yeah, I just, ever since then, just been out there getting stuck into it. And um I guess after that then my dad lost the property uh gun to Windy because it got sold and um so I've just been going to Walgett ever since and um and all that. So yeah, so that's probably um probably what got me into it. But I probably had you know, I bought another another rifle there along the way and I probably remained pretty stagnant on that front for for a long time, just sort of going shooting once or twice a year. And it wasn't until like, like I said, probably like three three years ago that it really ramped up. I started started buying more firearms and you know better quality stuff and, and all the good gear that you get as as money becomes more available to you as you get a bit older, I guess. So
0: Are you looking to buy a new or used firearm? Do you want to sell that Safe Queen to fund your next purchase? Then go to Osgunsales.com. We have over two hundred registered firearms dealers Australia wide and thousands of shooters using the site daily. There are over 2,500 firearms listed, so you're certain to find exactly what you're looking for. We have over 50 years of firearms industry experience, including eight years online. So why wouldn't you advertise with us? The one and only genuine original guns Mate, what is it about hunting and shooting and fishing? Why is it so good? Why do we keep coming back? I mean, I love it too. Sometimes even I struggle to you know, come up with a reason why I love it so much. I guess it's the whole experience, but what experience, what is the experience for you?
1: Well, I, I don't know, because it's funny you say that, because um, I guess I've been into a lot of hobbies. Like, I've got heavily into boxing. I've been heavily into, you know, Muay Thai and, and uh, uh, you know, cars and all this sort of stuff like that. And probably the rifles, the shooting is the only thing that stayed strong with me over the whole time. I've given up so many hobbies that I've got stuck so heavily into, wasted so much money. But the guns, I just keep coming back to the guns. And I, I guess for me, what I love about shooting, it's just, you know, I'm a city slicker. I'm in the city. I work in the office, and I hated it. It just bores me to death. But when I, when you know, when you're packing, getting ready for a trip, and you, you know, you get all, all your rounds together, and you, um, you know, you, you clean your guns, and you start smelling the oil, and you, you're getting ready to go for that trip, and you you pack everything in the car, and you double check. You know, I went on one big trip. It was a 17-hour drive, and I forgot my clothes, and didn't even bother me. As long as I had my guns, that's all I cared about. And, um, you know, it's just when you get out there and you crack the door open and you smell that, that the heat and the dust, and you hear the stupid cockatoos going off their tr- chops, and, and uh, you know, and I just every time you go out, the first crack of a rifle and you smell the burn oil from the barrel because you forgot to clean it out again. And you got that gunpowder and the residue. It's just, man, it's just so exciting and just to know that you can go out there and and do your thing and just in the peace and tranquility out in some property in the middle of nowhere. And um, I don't know, man, you just can't you just can't do that anywhere. I don't even think you can replicate that with fishing because you just don't have the sound and the smell and the and all those other things that go with it, you know. So you, you know, and it's like just going for an eight-hour drive, just getting yourself pumped up to ready to to get involved when you get out there like you know you know of course the first thing you do you get there and roll your swags out and it's like no matter how how late you get there it's like we're going spotlighting we're not going to finish today without firing a rifle so i don't know it's just something about it that just drives me there and there again and again and i just yeah just i just got me excited just thinking about it got the hairs on the back of my neck standing up just can't wait for my next trip actually
0: it's interesting because I speak to a lot of people that say that and I know a lot of people that are like that too they've had you know big hobbies my brother being one of them. uh, He does a lot of different things. And I mean, even shooting, I guess for him went by the wayside a little bit too. But a lot of people I speak to, yeah, they have like a lot of different hobbies. um, But always shooting always seems to be the strong one for them that always sort of stays around. They've got a a few different things they might dabble in here or there, but that seems to be a, a regular thing that comes up for a lot of people that shooting always sort of stays strong within their hobbies where others fall by the wayside.
1: Well, my mates, they, you know, they, my mates from Dubbo, they all sort of moved into the dog scene and they like going dog hunting and their dogs don't like it when you shoot guns around them because they stop shooting the guns around them. And it's like that just frustrates me. But the thing, the biggest difference, I guess, between dogs and guns is I can put it in the cupboard and leave it there for three months or six months or a year and I open it up and it's still there. <laughs> You know, like I don't have to worry about vet bills or jumping the fence during the first <laughs> lightning storm. And, you know, there's, it's the maintenance is only there as required. It's not, not a continual burden on your life. You can, you know, you can be a shooter and not do anything for years and it's you just crack the cupboard open as long as you looked after it. You know, you just hit the ground running again. It's not like it's, uh you've got to start from scratch again, get a new dog and train it and do all this other stupid stuff and then make sure you've got the right equipment for it. It's like once you've got the equipment, it's done.
0: Exactly. What's the hunting scene like up in Queensland? A lot of different places around the country, a lot of different states, a lot of different things happen, a lot of different types of terrain and country. What's it like hunting in Queensland?
1: Well, I guess I can only speak for myself and all my hunting up here, really, um, Walgut, which is obviously northern New South Wales, but it's very similar to to hunting at Gundawindi. Most of my hunting, because I haven't been up north and done trips up there or anything, but it's all stubble, you know, like it's uh, either crops or stubble, um, you know, some... Rivers and and a couple of dams and all that sort of stuff like that. So a lot of the time it's just about covering the ground and finding where they're held up because obviously, like any properties, there's always some areas that they can't clear the trees off and all that sort of stuff like that. So they could be hiding in a bit of a pine forest or just hiding under a clump of cane grass and you just got to go check every spot and you just never know what's going to happen. You can go to one spot every year, there's nothing there, then the next year there's a mob of 20 jumps up from underneath your feet and you're like how can 20 pigs fit under that one tiny bush you know and it's um it's about you've got to find those spots and you know it's it's funny like, i talk to other people and they say once you find pigs in one spot you'll never find them there again and um so many times i've found pigs in one spot just come back the next day and there's another mob of pigs in the same spot and clearly different pigs to what you found yesterday so it's like as soon as you clear one lot out just another mob moves in on top of where they were so they're just grateful that you cleaned out the other ones for them. It's just, yeah, that's so that's all my, so most of my hunting is about just, you know, you know either quad biking through these areas or walking through the areas and, uh, and spotlighting and hoping you can just catch them out in the open.
0: It's interesting because I never actually, of all the species, I've pretty much shot everything pretty much, or at least in Australia, but um, haven't shot any pigs yet. Unbelievable, oh, eh? Mate. Jason from AHP in seven years has not shot a pig i oh, do can you I, believe i've it? never
1: shot a deer but i've never hunted for them either <laughs> i was listening to your dramas trying to go oh, i want to get a deer i want to get a deer i was like oh man that's not even anywhere near as exciting as hunting pigs because man there's nothing like the thrill of seeing a, a mob of them just running across a paddock and you're on the back of a ute with like a lever action shotgun one of those dreaded you know tornado and the things, and you're just chasing <laughs> this this mob of pigs and just letting fire like just having a good time and you know, when you're tearing across the paddock like that, I mean, it's just so exciting because you've got the adrenaline of the vehicle making all the noise. There's like stubble, so there's sticks and twigs flying up in your face and then you fire a shot and you've got debris coming back off the shotgun, you know, because there's like the little pellets that pack in the thing and, and, the you know, you've got the wad going everywhere and there's like blood and guts going everywhere and it's just like you're just in the thick of it just... Bang, 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 and the, you know, the shotgun heats up so much you'll burn yourself if you touch the barrel because you've just put thirty rounds through it in about forty seconds. You know, and it's just, it's and <laughs> sounds just like keep, good fun, mate. You just keep running until you hit the fence, and then when you get to the fence, you just hope that there's a gate nearby you can go through the gate and keep chasing them. Like, it's just, it's just so exciting, man. It's like V8 supercars with guns out the
0: windows. Definitely sounds like a lot of fun. So, what do you like hunting? I mean, you said pigs, obviously. Is that up there on your? you know list of favorite species
1: oh look it's always the goal but i tell you what i i do absolutely love getting cats cats would be my my just i don't know something about cats i guess because you can take a photo of of a cat post on facebook and just people hate it people absolutely despise it the first thing they say is like oh is that someone's pet this and that because they're just their image (laughs) of them is just that they're you know these cute little cuddly things in the you know, people's pets and, you know. and I, I reckon love
0: cats them. are even more cunning than foxes, to be honest. I, oh, I might be wrong was... on that, but they're definitely that little eerie creature. I mean, I, I probably prefer a fox over definitely over cats, but again, no luck shooting cats. I've, actually, I saw one on the last trip, but I didn't get the opportunity on it, but yeah.
1: I'll, I'll tell you what I did, and, and maybe this isn't quite the right thing for your recording, but I couldn't help myself, is a couple of years ago, I went to the cheap shop and I bought like five or six collars, and I was like, the next lot of cats I get, I'm going to put the collars on, <laughs> and take, photos, on take
0: photos, take photos, <laughs> put them on Facebook, oh. and I was going to line them
1: all up, like you know, like the fishing. When you go fishing, you catch a holy fish. Oh, who's Moggie? That? That's poor oh, that's, moggy. that's someone's pet. Going, no, no, these were in the middle of nowhere, you know. And of course, people just think you were down the main street of Logan, but but uh, the, the, I think I've jinxed myself because ever since I bought the collars, I haven't shot a cat.
0: Yeah, I know cats. I've always wanted to shoot one. I guess, like I said, I saw one the last trip, but I was only driving in the car, and I thought, no, nah, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to go for this thing. There's no point, you know. It's just, you know, it ran off anyway, and you know, I know a lot of guys that come with me on trips, and every time they come back, for an example, they go, "Oh, I got a cat," and I'm like. How come I never see cats? You know, you guys see cats all the time. It's unbelievable. Oh,
1: I think you must have your head down, man.
0: I know, I know. Sometimes I've had deer sitting right next to me, walk past me, and I haven't realised so. <laughs> but, you know, that's the fun about it. What else, man? Pigs? What else? Do you like cats? What else?
1: Um, so I've, never, oh, I've shot a couple of goats. Um, yeah, you know, goats that's are fun too. Just in Dubbo there, a couple of goats are in the place. But um, oh, what else? Uh, obviously foxes. You know, I've never whistled in a fox. All our foxing has been just under spotlight because probably that was the thing, like I had a 308 was pretty much the smallest gun I owned up until about two years ago and I bought my first 223 and, um, you know, so we were all our spotlighting. That's probably when I smashed the most foxes because we'll just go out like all night till about two, three o'clock in the morning and just, just smash as much stuff as we can. And of course you come across plenty of foxes and rabbits and, um, you know, sometimes you'll get a litter of them, so they'll be like, I don't know, three or four young ones, so that you can, you know, shoot. And then other times, if there's a bit of stubble, they'll be on the stubble, eating the the mice, and that's when we do. Oh, we call it drive bys. You know, we have got a the vehicle we call the weapon, and that's when we just go flying along the up through the paddocks, just chasing them down, smashing them with the shotguns, because of course they like to stick to the the runs, like the the um, what do you call it? The you know how they plough through. Can't think what's called now, but they there's like the runs, so they always run down the lines. So of course, when they're running down the lines, it's when the vehicle can go the fastest because it's pretty smooth. So you, you'd run them down and try and smash them with a the shotgun. But uh, yeah. generally, we'll try and get them with the um the two two three under the spotlight first. We just normally just give them a quick whistle to try and make them pull up so you can have a quick shot. And then uh, if they don't make it after that, that's when we go chasing them.
0: So. Is this just um, under but, spotlight, say, if you see them, for an example? Because I generally sometimes go through paddocks, I can't see them, but as soon as I give a whistle, all of a sudden I've got all types of eyes looking at me.
1: Uh, no! So we'll, we just like, we'll just be going down, I don't know, um, sort of idling in second gear, just swinging the spotlight, in a sort of a 180 across the roof, go left, go right, just, and then normally there'll be a driver with the spotlight and then one or two people sitting in the back of the ute. And the person in the back, they're the one doing the spotting. They're the one that's going to call it out for the driver to, you know, go back, go back. Okay, yep, just there, stop. And normally the driver can't even see what you're shooting at half the time anyway. So, But it's mostly movement. Sometimes, obviously, eyes probably 80% of the time, and then 20% of the time it's just you're looking for movement as well. So if you see the movement and you hold the light there, you can generally get the eyes to pick up as well. Um, And then recently, probably, I got access to a property of my own in Stanthorpe. And that's just um rabbits and so I'll just generally get the shotgun mount a torch to the bottom of it it's just a little 40 acre block And I'll just walk it find them in the spotlight and just shoot them with the shotgun from probably up to 20 30 meters away and that's just I just do that when I can't get access to anywhere else at the time I guess so um, but I haven't I mean I haven't shot any buffaloes haven't shot any camels or or anything exciting like that it's just pretty much all the pigs and rabbits and foxes and cats that's that's about the limit of it
0: yeah. Did you have any other family members that hunt or shoot or anything like
1: that? Well, other than my dad, but he's obviously, he's getting on now. Um, I took him along for a trip a while ago, um, but it's uh, obviously different. My brother did have his um, shooting license there for a while, but he, he started traveling around the country and the mail didn't end up getting to him in time. And so he let that lapse, but I keep getting on to him to get that back. But um, I did um, make sure I got my wife licensed uh, last year, um, and that was pretty cool because I, I sort of was trying to push for this whole thing a couple, you know, a year ago to double our numbers to try and get more licensed people. So I was sort of promoting to, for people to get their partners licensed. And if your partner was already licensed, get someone else licensed. So I made sure I went and did that, got her licensed and got her a 4570. Because if you've got a license, you need a gun. And I didn't. Wow, you went the big gun
0: straight away she's
1: like, they're not going to let me have that. That's too big.
0: Yeah, or was it like, yeah, yeah, this is for you, but it's, yeah, it's mine? Ah, She knew it was for me. There was no <laughs> doubt
1: about it. She's only 45 kilos, so it's a pretty big gun.
0: <laughs> Speaking about that, I, I've done a lot of shows on yeah, partners and those sort of things. Like when you first met, were you in, obviously you were into shooting then. I'm, I'm guessing you were. What did she have to say about it when you first met and you said, well, you know, I like to go hunting. I like this. I like the outdoors. and. I've had a few freak out on me, not freak out, but that was the sort of the end of the conversations after that. So what happened with you? Okay,
1: well, i probably got two pretty good stories about that. So when I when I met her her dad, um, I quickly found out he is a mad shooter. Um, he has all sorts of handguns. And I was like, I'd never seen a handgun before in my life. And I remember I went around there, I think, and he's like, do you want to see a rifle? And I was like, oh, yeah, what type? And he goes, Oh, I don't know. It was like some Winchester lever action. I was like, Oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. That's a little bit like my Marlin. And he's like, Have you got a Marlin? I said, Yeah, but I'm, you know, 1885 or whatever it is and um, 44 Magnum. And he's like, Oh, you'll have to bring it around and show me. And the next thing he's going out and he's just bringing all these guns out. There's like he had semi automatic, you know, um, pistols and revolvers and mostly all old cowboys type stuff because that was what he was doing. He does a lot of cowboy shooting, which I actually do with him. As well, because I went and got my handgun license and, and got a Ruger Vaquero 44 mag and all that sort of stuff like that, and that was like that was pretty cool. So, you know, my dad shoots, her dad shoots. She doesn't really shoot, but um, she's got no no beef with it at all. She completely understands, and it's it's I guess part of her heritage a little bit, and it's, it's definitely part of mine. But um, what I was going to tell you, this is the second part of the story. <clears throat> so when when I told you I went shooting with my mates in in Wild so I got this brand new 308 pump action, and I'm I'm ready to take it out. And uh, <laughs> I got right. in I got in I got in my Honda Civic because that's all I got is this Honda Civic. I'm on to on my way to Wal which is like a, I think an eight-hour drive. And um, I got about half an hour out of Gundawindi, and this kangaroo jumped out and I smoked it, cracked the top of the radiator off, and just put me on the side of the road, and I couldn't go anywhere, and I was devastated. And because um, you know, like I got this brand new gun anyway. There's a much, there's much funnier stuff to go to with this story, but I'll, I'll leave it there. And um, anyway, so the next year, my wife said, "You can go on your, your trip," and we were getting married on the 4th of December. So we got married on the 4th of December. Went to Bali for two weeks. Landed, the next day, drove to Wogit to go out on a hunt. Nice. So I've been married for two weeks, and then I went hunting with
0: my mates. She might be week, regretting so. that decision after after that. You know, she might be regretting it.
1: Uh, she might be, but she's a keeper. I've been married now for, oh, jeez, uh, 14 years. Yeah, well,
0: long time, long time. What about uh, game meets and that? Do you uh, tend to bring anything back if you get the opportunity?
1: I have never brought anything back. I've left everything on the ground where I've shot it, unless Ooh. we moved it for a photo.
0: Really? So that's very interesting. And finally, someone's on the show that talks about that, because a lot of people probably listening to this will be saying, ah, oh, this guy can't believe it. I, I, we, we see this a lot with deer. Um, I did see a post the other day about uh, uh, there was a guy that obviously culling. I think it might have been down in Tasmania somewhere, and they, from what it said, whether it's true or not, I don't know. But from the helicopter, they must have shoot a thousand deer. This is what the the post said. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But you should have seen the people on there. I'm always from the from the position that you know you do whatever you you do whatever you want to do. If you want to take the meat, take the meat. If you don't, your business, your hunt, uh, you decide what happens. But there seems to be this culture going around at the moment. And a lot of people shoot for different reasons. Some people shoot because they're helping out farmers. Some just shoot because they enjoy it. I see there's nothing absolutely wrong with that at all. It's interesting that you don't bring it home. So I guess, Kishan, why is that? And what, what do you think about the people that say, you know, well, you know, you're, know, I won't say the words, but you're a bit of a bastard for, for shooting these things and not taking the meat when the opportunity arises?
1: Okay, well, I, I am a public servant and I work with a lot of vegans and a lot of feminists and these types of people. <laughs> Sounds great. So when they ask me why I shoot, I have to tell them, I go, you know, I do it because I'm helping out the farmers and the destruction that they do to the the properties and and all this sort of stuff like that. And then of course they ask the question, well, do you keep the meat? And then I have to go through my other spiel, which is, well, you know, that farmers tend to poison them with 1080 and I've got no way to test if they've got 1080. So unfortunately all (laughs) I can do is leave them there. But to be honest, it's just never even really crossed my mind, man. I love shooting. I love shooting stuff. And and uh, I'm unapologetic about it, pretty much. Like that's what I do. Like, but unfortunately, because of my uh, my working circumstances, of course, the stories I have to spin to them are a little bit different to the truth of it. The truth is, man, <laughs> I just love shooting. I love hunting, and um, I love nothing more than going out there and smashing as many pigs as I can get. And you know, I always got taught by the farmer that we shoot on his property. He always say, a pig is a pig is a pig, and by that he meant it doesn't matter how big it is, you kill it yeah you know it doesn't matter if it's a little one doesn't matter if it's a sow you just kill it and i get extremely frustrated when i see these videos and there's people that let sows go and they you know they split off the pack and just get the big one i'm just like man look at all those pigs getting away like that that angers me man like i sort of understand trophy hunting a bit but dude if you want to do the right thing by the environment you've got to get in there and smash it and and just cull off as many as you can because they're just going to be back there anyway. You know, like as soon as there's a good season, they're going to be back thicker than they were before. And, and um, I just, yeah, I just love shooting and I just love getting stuck into it. And for me, it's all about numbers. It's about quantity. Um, Do I have a better time if I shoot more stuff? Yes, definitely. But um, you know, really it's about just going out and shooting with my mates. That's what I really have a good time. We could go out for, you know, it's called hunting because it's hunting. It's not, it's not like fishing in a bucket. Like you can't guarantee you're going to get anything you know some of our best trips were the most unsuccessful trips ever because we just had a good time and had a good laugh and you know getting into an adventure because that's i guess the big thing every time you go out for a hunt you never know what's going to happen you get bogged for three hours or you run out of fuel but you can't push start the car and the starter motor's busted and you've got to work out a way that you're going to get yourself out of the situation so you can get onto the pigs again And it's just like yeah you can't describe that you can't put that into words and and um i guess for me that's it's more about that than anything but yeah, I, I got I got no qualms with uh, getting out there and do a fair bit of um, farm destruction and and just shoot as much as I can. And um, of course, a lot of people gonna kind of have issues with that. And and you know what? I don't care. I enjoy it. I love it. That's that's how we hunt. Or that's how I hunt anyway. And I'm sure I'm pretty sure many people in Queensland that's their style of hunting. Mm. And um, I think it's obviously it's very different to when you got to go pay for a permit to go hunt in a state forest. It's completely different. You can't compare. It's not apples for apples. If you've never been in the back of a ute flying across a paddock at a mob of pigs with dust flying in your face, then you've got no idea what it's like.
0: There seems to be that around around deer especially, I, I find, that attitude. And, you know, there's a lot of negative posts from other shooters when I, when I read that post, but you know, there's a lot of different reasons why people hunt. You know, I know another guy in a sort of similar situation. He's not a big fan of the game. You know, me, He's a city slicking boy. So he he's not really you know up on the game meat so to speak. But then when I say, "Well, is it about when you get the opportunity to help farmers?" and he says, "Well, I guess I guess that's part of it." But he goes, "It's not my sole reason either." And uh, I find it's interesting. I get a lot of people out there that love the meat and will often frown upon other shooters. For it. and I said, "Well, there's a multitude of reasons why people hunt." You know, and sometimes I've I've had blank discussions where I say, is it, "Is it the thrill of the kill?" And they say, "It's not even that. It's not even that. It's just hunting in general. It's just hunting in general. It's not." Well, it's. A... You do
1: have to do the right thing by your landholder, and because remember too, up here we have to do everything by permission of a landholder. So it's not like a state forest where you can just do whatever you want. If you want to get back onto the property, the uh, you know the farmer has expectations that they're going to see, you know, results, some results yeah. for your yeah. work. So you know, it's what the landholder says that you have to do. You generally, if you don't stick to doing what he's requested, you're probably not going to get an opportunity to go back there again. So you know, that's a completely different type of shooting. For you know, to meet the requirements of a landholder to hunting a state forest on your own that you've paid for a permit for to do that.
0: Yeah, no, I agree, man. No, I'm not against it or anything like that by any stretch of the imagination. I just think a lot of people hunt for different reasons, and that's fine. And you know, I just, I I'm just a shame when I see people on Facebook and other avenues hassling out other hunters because it doesn't suit what they would do. I think that's pretty disappointing. And um, you know, people people were actually pretty crude in regards to their comments to this guy too. And it's like, you know, well, they're obviously doing it for a reason. Obviously, this is obviously some landholders. It could have been a government contract. I mean, who knows what it was? Uh, sometimes I've had that as well. Gone to you know specific properties, and maybe they're eating a, a certain type of fruit. It could be deer. It could be pigs. I don't know. Or they're eating you know the macadamia nuts or whatever they eat. And it's like, mate, they like get rid of them. Get rid of get rid of as many as you can. Well,
1: that's right. And and I remember you read out my letter that I wrote into the show. When you were asking about whether deer should be classed as uh, vermin or game animal.
0: Yes, very you know, and I highly had, contentious I massive, that one too.
1: I had massive objections to your opinion on that. Which which was hang on,
0: which was was are we for it or against it? I can't remember.
1: I was I was against putting them as game because I, my justification was because that's my justification for shooting them because they're a pest. So
0: you're you very know, so. different down. I mean I'm not I'm not for it. Well, there's a lot of issues, I guess, you know, for Queensland, but it, it's funny how it differentiates around around, I think it was Mario, actually, might have disagreed me a bit more on that in regards to, in New South Wales, obviously, you know, there's a game you can to shoot in certain types of the year, which I think is ridiculous as well. I, I totally agree. There's also a lot of people in New South Wales that think they should remain a game species so they can, obviously, which... I understand, too, that they're able to hunt those particular animals. And obviously, there's animals around for the, you know, for obviously future hunting. But it also is an introduced pest as well. And people say, well, no, it's not, a, it's a, it's not feral, it's just a pest. And I say, well, does it really matter, feral, pest? Does, if you look at Victoria as well, they can hunt certain, or game there uh, all year round, provided they've got their permits if they go on public land. So why is it so different from New South Wales to Victoria and Queensland all on the East Coast? You know, why is it different? Why in Queensland is it a pest, yet in New South Wales it's a game animal that you can only hunt eight months of the year, but in Victoria it's a game animal that you can hunt 12 months of the year? Like There's there's no consistency amongst any of this, really.
1: Well, you want to know the funniest part about all of that is in Queensland they're listed as a pest and they're also on the Queensland coat of arms. So effectively we have a, a feral boar on our coat of arms.
0: <laughs> so that means in Queensland, you can hunt if you went to a property and there's a thousand deer, you could shoot a thousand deer, correct?
1: Yeah, and I'm pretty yeah. sure you can shoot them under spotlight too
0: yeah right, so that's yeah obviously the laws did change a little bit in New South Wales in some particular areas um, because they were a bit more of a nuisance. I think it was up north sort of around that Port Macquarie area was one of them I think down near Wollongong, down just south of city a lot of a lot of rusa deer down there um you know, but I mean I obviously want opportunities to hunt them, but listen i'm my only concern is is the fact that they would possibly may. And I guess due to the gestation period of how many deer obviously have per year compared to, say, rabbits, that I'm more concerned about the 1080 aspect of it and baiting them. I'm, 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 not, I'm not confident about that. I don't think that should happen. I mean, some people don't really care. I mean, that's a good question. Actually, what do you think about 1080? You reckon is it, you don't care or is it, is it, does it bother you or you think they should be put down humanely and dispatched properly with firearms or what's your, what's your thoughts on that one?
1: Well, obviously, my priority would be to say they should be dispatched by firearms, and in fact, my firearm, but I guess, you know, a landholder's got to do what a landholder's got to do, so if they've got too much of something on there, and, uh, you know, people people got to understand that they've got a responsibility to manage their lands as well, like if they're not seen to be removing those pests off their property, they can get fined for that as well, at least here in Queensland, so... Am I going to disrespect a farmer that uses 1080? No, it's his his decision to do that, and he's got obligations that he has to meet. Um, no, I don't think it's very humane. I think that there's obviously other ways of going about things, but certainly, you know, it's like anything. You you try and you try and trap an animal, a, a dog specifically. You're probably hard pressed to try and trap that dog a second time. So you know, you get them with a 1080. That's it. It's a one hit wonder. You you will get them with with that result. But you know, ultimately. I think the the ramifications of using 1080 can be greater than anticipated. Like you don't know what's going to eat that animal afterwards, and you know whether it's a wedge tail eagle, which people get pretty protective about, and and all that sort of stuff like that. And I think, well, I saw on Sydney militia he posted that photo where someone had said that there was a wombat killed and. And Obviously, people all up in arms about that wombat being shot. How could you do that? You're a grub and all this stuff. Not, not Sydney militia didn't shoot the wombat, obviously. Yeah, but it's like if you've got a mitigation permit to shoot wombats, that's what you got. You've got a mitigation permit to shoot wombats. Um, you know, they've shot heaps of koalas in the past as well because they've got the um the, the virus that went through them all, and that's what chlamydia, I think it was. And at the end of the day, these things need to be managed to, to stop the spread of diseases or you know, to especially times like now where there's massive droughts, you know, I think up here for a mitigation permit for roos, they reckon six roos is equivalent of one cow. So if you have six roos on your property, that's one less cow you can feed. And when you've got a drought like what's going on at the moment, you know, you could get a mob of like 60 um, roos on your, on your paddocks. Well, that's like 10 cattle that aren't going to be able to eat the feed that those things are thrashing on you. That's your livelihood, you know, so... um what are you going to do about it? You're going to do everything you can. So you're going to get out there and shoot them. You're going to trap them and you're going to bait them. Right? That's it in end the of, end of story.
0: I think it's a bit... I have heard of that in Queensland too. And I, I don't know. What's your thoughts on that one about, you know, people own land. Sometimes, you know, they're farmers. Sometimes they're not farmers. And being responsible for their land and feral animals. What is if someone didn't have a firearms licence and wasn't able to dispatch... I mean, I guess there'd be 1080, I guess, if you support that sort of... You know, if the general public support that sort of thing. Or that was an option to them. But I have heard a few... Uh, farm owners been being targeted and been fined and uh, for not looking after you know feral species on their land. Very interesting thing.
1: Yeah, that's that's right. you know, it's funny you talk about you know more people are satisfied with ten eighty because it doesn't involve the use of firearms. That's the end of story. So they're happy for the the animal to suffer because a gun hasn't been involved. You know, it's mm. a pretty disappointing scenario. But uh, you know, what uh, what are you going to do? Like, you know, it's just it's. I guess there's such a uh, low understanding of people that just don't know what shooting is about, that, that think that, you know, 1080 is a much more humane way, you know, because it doesn't involve someone having fun or something like that.
0: Mm. What about your friends at work? What do they say when you, you come back and you say, you know, you've got 10 pigs, a couple of foxes, some cats, how do they react? Okay, so there's it? a,
1: so there's a few people that don't follow me on Facebook. So they're still my friends, but they don't follow me. That way, if I post something, it doesn't come up in the feed. <laughs> And uh, oh. and then obviously there's other people at work that they love it. they oh, oh, tell me, how'd you go? What'd you get up to? And, you know, I've actually, there's a standard joke now at work where I'll say to them, it's Thursday, I go, oh, I'm going late night shopping. And they go, oh, you're going to the gun shop. Oh, is there any other type of late night shopping? <laughs> you know, so there's, around me, there's uh, quite a good bunch of people that, none of them are shooters, but, um, but they, they all know I shoot and they all know that I'm into my firearms and they all know i'm politically motivated and sometimes they try and wind me up but they sort of stop doing that because they know i've got the answers that they're actually asking the questions to so they don't really bother but you know that i pretty much i'll go to a gun shop nearly once every two weeks on payday pretty much to buy something so
0: yeah right what about your favorite guns what do you own what do you enjoy shooting
1: ah oh, man i've got so many guns at the moment um the, well, the ones I probably use the most would be my 44 Magnum lever action, which was originally my, my bush gun for the pigs, but um, that's become my cowboy gun for the single-action shooting. So I've got a 44 Magnum vaquero for that and just a uh, Stoga side-by-side side as well. And um, I've got a deposit on a second Ruger vaquero just waiting for the PTA to come through on that. Um, I sold that Browning pump-action rifle, um, and the amount of money i got back from that, I was able to replace it with a Remington 306 pump-action. And a sorry, no, a, a Wheeling pump action, which is a .30-30-06 case that's been uh, opened up to .358 of an inch, so it's a quite a bit of a cannon. And I also bought a Tika T3. So I sold the one gun and replaced it with two guns. Then um, that's a stainless steel light. Oh, so I'm left eye dominant. Um, so all my guns in the past were pump actions or lever actions because at the time, um, left handed bolt actions would cost a fortune. So pretty much everything I bought was was because I was left eye dominant. So it wasn't until I bought that TKT3, I never really
0: owned a bolt action. Um, What's uh, calibre the ticket you bought anyway?
1: Uh, 308. Yeah. So I call that my Sorry. dog gun or my window gun. I haven't, haven't shot a dog yet, but I'm actually, uh, as part of my YouTube channel, I'm s- going to start a series called Road to Cat D. And um, what I'm trying to do is actually get my Category D licence over the next year or two. And I'm going to go down the path of trying to get into professional dog shooting. So that'll include trapping and shooting dogs, and so that 308 will probably become the the gun to turn to. However, I've been recommended to get a 22250. but obviously there's another cost involved And in, uh trying to keep the cost down, so I can save for the uh, you know the semi-auto of some kind. Um, and then I've got, uh, like I said, that 4570, but probably the 35 wheeling. That's probably my favorite gun, um, but at three dollars a bullet, it's uh, pretty expensive to run. So I did get a 306. Um, 7600 as well and I have done the tactical thing with that so I've got the you know collapsible stock and the um, pistol grip and the um, what do you call it the you know the, the end and all that and the reason I did that was because i actually went to the S- Brisbane shot show and they had the warwick firearms f wfa1 was there and it you know it's got all the tactical gear on it so it's just pretty much like ar-15 as far as the the, the chassis of it and I felt it and I was like, oh my goodness, no wonder who does this. This is actually amazing. I'm going to do this to my gun or I'm going to buy this Warwick WFA1. And I spoke to the guy there and he's like, I was like, mate, how quick are these things? He goes, oh, probably not as quick as a pump action. I was like, done, sealed the deal. So a couple of months ago, I went and spent like 600 bucks in being able to convert it to a to the pistol grip and the tactical adjustable stock and all that sort of stuff like that. And it really does feel amazing. It just feels like a point so direct. Um, but i haven 't had a chance to take it out and have a shot with it yet but um yeah, but probably like I said before, I did about two years ago I bought it a twenty two two fifty and that 's a Howell fifteen hundred that 's a right handed bolt action and i 've just had it mounted to a boyd stock that 's got a left handed thumb hole grip oh, so yep, that yep. gives it a i can hold the stock and I can rock the bolt action over without it gouging out my thumb so it's um i got a meopta i think it's um six to eighteen times on there and it's just mate, the scope and the, the gun is just fantastic. It just it's just like a you know, I only use it for varmint shooting and it is a uh, sorry, the varmint barrel stainless steel. And it is just it's just amazing. It just everything you point at it, it just shoots it. And uh it's probably the only reason I got that was because when I went to reload the 308 because I was using that for all my window shooting, I was like, oh my God, this is so expensive. I could literally justify buying another gun to the cost of the bullets of you know reloading the, the 308 so that's literally what i did and that's probably what i do 95 percent of my shooting with is the the um the howler because most of the shooting is under spotlight because but during the day you only shoot something if it comes out like you so say if a pig comes out well you know there's, there's less pigs than you see foxes and and cats and hares and rabbits and all that sort of stuff like that so that's most of my shooting.
0: Do you prefer your varmint barrels, or do you prefer your your hunting style light barrels, or what do you prefer? I guess it depends on how much you're shooting, how you know hot the well, barrel it gets. Well, but... depends
1: what you. I, I've got a, on my on my blog. I've actually got a post about why I chose that, the the howler. But I, it all comes down to your needs. You you have to really define what you want to do with the firearm before you can decide what firearm you're going to buy. Like, are you shooting you know medium sized pigs, or are you shooting big pigs, or are you shooting foxes, or are you carrying the gun up mountains or are you just walking through some creek beds? Are you going to walk for six hours? Are you going to walk for half an hour? Or are you on a quad bike and is it going to bounce off and land on the ground? There's so many different factors in choosing what you're going to have, you know, because if it's going to be on the handlebars of a motorbike, you know, if it's longer than 18 and a half inches, then it becomes a very expensive bull bar. But, you know, if you're going to be walking up a mountain, there's no point having a, a barment barrel that weighs like 25 kilos. You'll just kill you by the time you get up there what you might not even take a shot so what's the point of hauling all that metal you know there's so many different factors and you got to i think when you make a purchase for a firearm I mean, you really got to consider everything you're doing about what you're going to do with it like so for example the how 1500 the one of the reasons i bought that over a teak or any of the other ones is when you're spotlighting and you're standing on the back of a ute you want to be able to top load the magazine because you've only got one hand because if the vehicle's moving you have to hold the roll bar and load the magazine so it's like the teak is no good because to load the magazine, you've got to take the magazine out and then you load the magazine while it's out and then put it back in. Well, that means you've got to have the gun somewhere, hold the roll bar, hold the magazine, and then load it with the other hand. So you need four hands to do that operation. So it's not suitable. So I guess it's all about, you know, have a look at all the facts that are required for your firearm and then making the right decision. So, um, you know, magazine capacity is, would be another one. And obviously calibre because the weight of the projectile of the size of the vermin you're going to hit, you know, if you've got large pigs, and obviously you want large grain projectiles, but, you know, smaller cartridges can't necessarily push those larger projectiles, so it's a balancing act.
0: Nice. Any other future trips coming up soon? Any you got anything booked?
1: Yeah, well, I actually had a, a dog trip booked this weekend just gone, but the guy I was going with um, got crooked, so that got cancelled on me. But um, I think we're going to do a bit of a going away party for one of my other mates in Dubbo, He's moving to Newcastle. So we're probably going to do a trip out to Hungerford. And they got some really good-sized pigs out there, generally between sort of 80, 90 kilos. And um, hopefully we can go out there and shoot a few and dog a few and, and just have a good time. But that's probably – that should be within, the, I guess, a month to six weeks if I'm lucky. So if that doesn't come up, I'll force something else to happen.
0: Awesome, man. What about anything else? Are you getting involved in any other – You know, hunting and shooting activities, you know, like as in um, targets. Do you like, you said you like your pistols before? Tell us a bit about that one.
1: Well, pretty much I don't do target shooting. The only time I go target shooting is if I get a brand new firearm or a brand new scope and I need to sight it in. Other than that, you won't catch me at the range shooting a rifle pretty much. Um, I do, however, obviously because I've got a handgun, I've got the requirement to go shoot a minimum of six shots per class. I've only got the one class at the moment. So, I do do the cowboy action, and I get to do that. My father-in-law and my father are all involved in that, so it's pretty good. Get a bit of family time in there and also get to go shoot some guns. Do that, obviously, every month. Well, not obviously, but do that every month, so it keeps the the trigger finger happy. So I get to keep shooting some guns, and and it's pretty exciting and pretty fun. I would recommend anyone that is thinking about it, definitely go out there and have a go because it's – you know, I guess it's a little bit like three gunners, a lot pretty action-packed. You're moving around and shooting different targets and shooting different guns. It's, it's pretty exciting. Um, and so, oh, yeah, probably probably looking at getting another handgun in the future, probably like something stupid, like a, a Desert Eagle in 44 Magnum. And I know people that are hardcore pistol people will say that they're a terrible gun, but it's the only semi-automatic you can get in 44 Magnum. So it's the only gun I can get. Plus is the cool factor of the fact that I'll have a desert eagle and you won't. So the Australian hunting podcast is the only hunting shooting and fishing podcast radio show in Australia with over 40,000 downloads per month. You are sure to find some information that can help you. If you love hunting, shooting, fishing, and a little bit of politics, the Australian hunting podcast has you covered to listen, check us out on iTunes, And visit AustralianHuntingPodcast.com.au
0: Looking for outdoor equipment for your next adventure? At Aussie Outdoor Gear, you can find cooking equipment, camo clothing for kids, backpacks, camo accessories and much more. We cater for your hunting, fishing, camping, hiking and other outdoor pursuits with our unique product range. AussieOutdoorGear.com.au quality gear at affordable prices a lot i saw one guy having a this was years ago, probably three, four years ago, five years ago, and I saw a guy. He bought his new Desert Eagle. He was stoked, and I'm always of the thing: buy what you want, whatever makes you happy. Doesn't have to please me. It's just got to please yourself. And you know, the guy, the range officer was getting a bit dicky with him. Ah, oh, it's a bit of a wank factor gun. And I thought, you know what, you piece of shit. You know what I mean? Like, why talk to someone like that? The guy's new. He's enjoying it. What's the problem with the way he's acting? And I sort of got up uppity a bit Of this range officer. He's like, "Oh, what's your problem?" I was like, well, "What's my problem? What's your problem, man? Leave the guy alone. He, he wants to enjoy." maybe something he bought I wouldn't be interested in but I'm not going to go and tell someone you know that what they've bought is basically wank fact, this is the problem again in the shooting community people not sometimes minding their own business it's ridiculous and isn't that it that
1: range officer probably goes down and shoots 22 rimfire
0: yeah probably I wouldn't be surprised My, may, I don't want
1: to pick on the guys that shoot 22 rimfire but I think that caliber's a joke
0: yeah <laughs> I've got a I've got another twi- I've got another 22 on order a ticker you know I'm waiting for that and I got told today the buggers from Beretta you know, God bless their souls, but tick, I don't know why companies do this. Tell me why companies do this, right? It's a bit of a rant, I guess. You know, they, they're excited about the 22, I guess it's a MTR. i I'm like, this is great. I've been waiting six months. It's supposed to come out. I ordered one. My uh, dealer says, yep, yep, n- nothing changed from, from June, mid-June. Well, we're in mid-June now, so they're releasing them at the Shot Expo this weekend. I'm like, great, maybe I might get one there, or my dealer might get me one a week later. Maybe they're going to ship them straight after. Now we've got told you know, August, September at the earliest. I'm like, why get this out so quick? Why push it out to the, to the, to the shooters? And then a shooter's got to wait 9, 10, 12 months to go buy a gun. I think, Ticker, I love your products, but pick up your game. I tell you, get those guns out as soon as possible.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I can't explain that one. I think you know, do other like does Europe take priority over Australia? Probably.
0: Yeah, I don't even know if they've even like finished making them, or they're just you know they've got yeah they're trying to satisfy the world requirements. So I'm not sure. But I'm always like, if you're going to bring out a product, three to six months, get that product out. Don't wait. You know, like you go on the the coattails of getting lots of sales. I mean, they're still going to get lots of sales anyway. But you know, like I guess the excitement drops down a bit when it gets released. You know, some eight, nine, ten, twelve months after. You know it was actually released or actually the whole big p r to you know advertise don't leave it. me hanging,
1: yeah don't, don't leave, leave me, me hanging.
0: I want to buy one, take my cash now, take my that's cash that's like
1: the that's like the adler when I bought my first adler. I got two adlers i got oh because I've got a cat d adler I've got oh, right. the ten uh, shot adler, so uh-huh, that went yes. to category d in in queensland and and um they didn't want to I made some inquiries to get the magazine capacity changed so that they would put it to category D and they just pretty much ignored me and then I ended up writing a complaints notice to the weapons licensing, saying, hey, look, I've done my due diligence. I've tried to do what I need to do to, to get this thing registered, and you guys haven't played ball and pretty much ignored me until it was past the due date. Anyway, long story short, they made me write a statutory declaration, and I got my Z code on my license so that I could keep that firearm. And um, I was able to call around a few people quickly, and I think another three guys were able to get the Z code by writing a statutory declaration. Yeah, right. So, yeah, anyway, so, so I had to, but I had paid for that gun in, like, um, September because I missed the first batch. I paid for mine before the first batch landed, and I didn't get my gun until May the next year, and that was because I'd swapped to a 28-inch barrel, which I didn't want. So, anyway, but you know, I've got a 10-shot magazine tube under it. It's not so bad.
0: Let's finish off with the politics, man. How did you get involved with SFP? Why particularly did you get involved with them?
1: Well, I guess they're the most uh, proactive um, firearm uh, political party there is. I mean, who else there is wanting to get us uh, semi-autos back? Everyone else, I think, is just lip service. So, you know, uh, One Nation, they sort of said, you know, we're going to do all this stuff, and then they went quiet again, and then they pretended like they're going to do some stuff, and they went quiet again. And, um, you know, LDP's not up here, so they're not an option either. Um, And I guess getting involved with the Shooters Fishers Farmers Party also helped me, you know, get involved with a couple of other pro-shooters, not pro-shooters, but pro pro-gun people and i think that's just been that's been fantastic man like you know i talk about guns all the time to myself it's it's good to finally have some other people that are like into firearms like i'm into firearms and i can talk about calibers and talk about how many grains to put in a 223 case or all this sort of stuff like that like yeah it's good talking about this stuff on facebook but to be able to talk face to face with some like-minded people is fantastic and until I got involved with Shoes um, Fisher's Farmers Party, I just didn't really have anyone else that was that into firearms. Even my mates that shoot, they buy factory rounds. They're not that interested in, in the technical details of barrel twist and barrel length and 2206H versus 2208 and all that sort of stuff like that. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think because I got involved in the Adler scene and um, they tried to obviously stop that from coming to the country, that really motivated me because I had – I had, in 2006, I bought an IAC M87 that was a lever-action shotgun, five in the tube, one in the carrier, and one in the chamber. So it was a seven-shot shotgun that I'd had since 2006. The only drama was that it wasn't made for the 75mm shells, so I'd have a lot of ejection problems. So when the Adler came out, it was like, finally someone's filled the gap that the IAC couldn't fill, you know, which is a varmint shotgun with, you know, with a a magazine capacity of greater than two and so when that come out i jumped on it straight away and of course they come around all this rigmarole of trying to ban it and get it put into category d and that's that's what motivated me and i was like man i don't want to lose my gun i love this gun i you know this is what i do with it i i actually go and shoot and it's the best thing for clean up piglets and best thing for clean up foxes and cats and and i didn't want to lose that opportunity so that's what got me stuck into it And then during all that is when I started listening to AHP and probably you're probably my biggest influence in getting politically motivated. Don't necessarily agree with everything you
0: say, but certainly a lot of what you say. I had a conversation is... with someone about that the other day, actually, because they don't agree with everything you say. And I said, it depends on certain things. Some things I'm not negotiable on. I think I'm pretty, pretty hard line on certain things. Some things are just minor. And you were talking about that, too. And I've been pretty impressed. And I'm always honest on this show. You've listened to my show long enough. I've been, I <clears throat> looked at the policy from SFP Queensland, and I think it's actually a pretty good, pretty forward policy. I've interviewed the guys in Tasmania. They've got a good policy as well. Daniel Young, Jeff Borman in Victoria. How do you push forward like in Queensland with, with certain types of policies and that? How, how do you plan on pushing forward with things like semi-autos? Because, I mean, we, you know, you've listened to my show. I've got lots of qualms with the New South Wales SFP contingent on many bad things they've said in the media. But that doesn't seem to be happening in Queensland. You guys seem to have the heads together and know exactly what needs to be done. So... How do you guys work as – how does Queensland work in with other states to make sure that, I guess, the consistent message, that people are getting a consistent message?
1: Well, look, I I guess the thing is really you've got to be careful about who you select to represent your party. So you really need to make sure you filter out who you choose to to run for candidates because they've got to be able to push the same um, policy and ideas that that you're trying to promote. So there's no point getting someone that's going to go and do a backflip on you. You know, we've made it pretty clear from the, the start of, of, of our party that, you know, we want to get our semi-autos back because we think once you're, you know, just like you think as well, once you've been proven as a, you know, a safe person and and, uh, and you can have a firearm, what difference does it matter if I've got a semi-auto firearm or a bolt-action gun? Nothing. You know, you can do more destruction with the car, as we've seen plenty of times now. And, um, you know, the thing I always refer to people at work is, was that mother from Cairns. It killed like eight people with a knife, you know? But you yeah. won't see him jumping up in arms about that um, in, the, in the media. And then, what well, recently we got that, that young girl that got, that got raped and killed. And my, my thing would be, like, what if she had a firearm? You know, even if she was still killed, if she had a firearm, was the result really any different? No, but she would have had capacity to maybe save herself.
0: I guess my thing is consistent message, not just from not targeting any particular person or party. I want to see consistency from all our pro-gun parties. I had this conversation again the other day too with um, a person on on registration. They're like, oh, you know, I've spoken about this, God knows how many times on this show, probably a thousand. And they're like, oh, no, no, get rid of rifle registration. But no, no, pistol registration has to say. And I'm like, what's the difference between a pistol and a rifle? oh now we've got to have pistol couldn't even answer the question couldn't even answer the question this is the sort of you know uneducated talk that you know when people are talking about registration i, I can't fathom it sometimes i can't you know they're like oh but pistols are different well, why are they different what well, because they're a bit smaller for an example you know what's the big difference okay so
1: this is probably where i'd say that i start to differ from some of the things that you think of well, now, why you like well, registration no, no, no. no bear with me okay I. I I agree with you. If you're going to be a law-abiding citizen, you're going to be a law-abiding citizen. But at the same time, if we want to start getting things over the line, then we have to make sacrifices on some of those decisions that we make. So let's say, for example, let's say if we could get semi-autos in the country um, back on on recreational shooting licences. And and this is the same for uh, handguns. Like, Why can you not use a handgun for hunting? That's just stupidity.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: Anyway, but if they said to, if if we could get some law passed where we say and, and look and like I said you know we think everyone should have semi-autos that are proven.
0: I think what you're going to say here, I'm going to agree with you. But go on.
1: But if we could maybe you know it's all about baby steps sometimes. So let's say if we had some arrangement where if you've been licensed for five years, you can get yourself a semi-auto. If I, you've been I'd licensed agree with for you. ten years, you can get a thirty-round magazine. Um and and just and move on from steps like that, that's fantastic. That's Because at the end of the day, you need to make these baby steps because if we don't make any changes, then we're not going to get any progress because there's no way that, that that next week that they're going to go, oh, you know what, you guys can have your AK-47. You've been good guys for a while and, um, and whatnot. So, you know, we need to try and make sensible changes. You know, it's like, I think, uh, Senator Anna Phrasing, I think, is that his name?
0: Uh, think- Fraser Anning, he was the former One Nation guy, is that the guy you talking about?
1: Yeah, that guy, right. So he posted that thing about He's pretty full get- on with
0: some of his posts on Facebook. I've been watching oh, him mate, quite he's, closely. He's, I'm surprised... I'm, which, you know, some of the stuff I agree, but I thought when I heard him join CAP, or Cat is Australia Party, I'm quite a surprised they they took him in. Obviously, it bolsters their ranks, obviously, you know, in the Senate for Queensland. I was just kind of surprised they took him in. He's pretty, pretty hardcore. He's pretty forward with what he says. I'm surprised Cap have actually sort of endorsed him and taken him on board into the Catar Australia Party, actually, because it's like Brian Burston. You probably would have seen that former One Nation Senator as well. He's joined, he's joined Palmer. Mate, you're probably not going to be a re-elected at the next election. I mean, it's probably guaranteed you're not going to be a re-elected. And it's probably going to be very difficult for Fraser Anning to also the next election coming up, what, very soon, six to eight months. Well, uh, the time we have the next federal election, probably for him to get re elected as well. So, I'm surprised with some of the, d- the decisions they've made, actually.
1: Well, look, one thing's for sure you know where he stands. Th-
0: that's for sure. That's for sure.
1: He talked today about on Facebook, he posted that thing about um, non lethal self defense. And you know, everyone on Facebook's up in arms. What about lethal self defense? Mate, we need baby steps. We need to get something to go over the line before we can even start contemplating whether that's the right thing. I'm us, failing you know, to so. see
0: where we disagree on this, though. I- I'm agreeing with you. Where do we disagree on this?
1: Oh, I don't know. I've heard plenty of your stuff. And I'm like, oh, I don't necessarily know about that. But, you know, I, that, like I said, most of what you say, I, yeah. I definitely agree with you. You know, And that's uh, – and I've got no issues with that. So but let me say
0: one thing about suppressors. And, again, this was about probably three four weeks ago. Someone with a, a prominent organisation was having a discussion with talking about suppressors. And they, they thought I'd be against, if we had to, putting, stamping it, registering it. I'm like, that's fine. I wouldn't want it to be that way. But if they were saying, listen, you can have them provided they're have a stamp on it. I'd be like, of course. We don't, currently don't. We currently don't have access to them now. So how's me standing in the way of getting it stamped and registered? Would I want it that way? No. But if we got it, that's something we can get and push for later on once we've got it. They they thought I would be against that. I'm like, no. Why would I be against that? I don't like it, but I would accept it because currently. We have nothing, so having something will be fantastic. Give me some
1: hoops to jump through. That's what I'm asking for right now. I want some hoops.
0: Yeah, you got to do a, a full day course. I mean, okay, screw it on the end. That's really the whole course. You know what I mean? What else do you need to do? But if they said yeah. I had to do a course, people think I'm against this sort of stuff. Like, I don't understand where this comes from, and I've been quite. I thought I'd been quite clear about it on the show, but. I guess I need to be probably a bit more you know, ultra clearer again, like especially when I speak to somebody about suppressors, they they think I'd be against something like that. I'm like, no, we currently don't have it, so if we can have it, of course put a stamp on it. If that means we can get it right now, that means if we can get Ruger 1022, say as a start with a five shot magazine, fine. Upgrade that to ten round magazine. Hopefully, those, then things would things would relax. I guess uh, further from there, you know, as as you've said, as things change and they realise there's no problem with these types of firearms, for an example. That's right. Yeah. 100%. Anyway, anything to finish off, man? Any exciting stuff to finish off? What would you tell other shooters?
1: Mate, pull your finger out and get involved. Like You seriously need to get politically aware. You need to not just say, oh, yeah, I'll vote for, for this program party at the next election. We're, we're in a, a vulnerable situation now. I think we're in this position where it's make or break, and we've got the opportunity right now that I think if we do the right stuff, we can probably get some changes with some sensible... Um, evidence based information and and this is when we can really get in there. We've called the media out in a couple of things that, you know, that double A claimed that victory. And like we need to start riding that, that wave. And if people don't get involved and, and start doing the right things and, and joining a couple of organizations and uh, getting in there and volunteering, taking people to the rifle range, introducing people to the sport, getting people licensed, we've gotta remain stagnant. And if we want to make progress in, in our firearm community, then we need to be digital, diligent and we need to be a real advocate for our sport and the safety of our sport. And um, I don't think that there's anything else that anyone can do except for get involved that adds any value. Buying more guns doesn't really do much. Um, you know, shooting more doesn't really do much. But if you can get one more person licence, if you can get one more person to change their opinion about firearms... Um, If you can get one more positive article published in a magazine, if you can write one more letter to a minister and let them know how you really feel, then you'll get some changes.
0: Rob Tratt joins me here on AHP for the Everyday Hunter series. Mate, thanks for joining me. I do appreciate it. It's been good having a chat with you. Thanks again.
1: No worries. Thanks very much, mate. Catch you later.
0: You've been listening to an episode of the Australian Hunting Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. See you next time.